All right. Looks like we're live. Haven't checked on the monitor yet. Let me check on the monitor. If you're here, welcome. This is Orion Rising News. I am your host, Leonard O'Neill. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good morrow, depending on where in the world you are tuning into the show. I'm a little bit late. Running around doing stuff. Had things going on. Watching the news. Right, Biden's going to be speaking like in 45 or 50 minutes or so. I'm recording it because I'm, I don't need to be watching it live, right? <laughs> so hold on, I'm going to check. There we are. Sorry, I was checking the checking the feed there to see if we're live. Share this out, share this out, share this out. I'm on a weird day. I'm on Thursday. I've been holding back. I was going to go like quickly Monday, and then I started holding back uh, from Monday, and I decided I was going to go Tuesday, and then I kind of waited, and then it was a good thing because then we had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of things happening, right? So, like I said, share this out, share this out, share this out. Let's get some people here. I'm going to do the same thing. Before I turn my camera on here, I'm going to go over here and share this out. Um, although, wait, if I'm – yeah, no, that's okay. So, share this out. Like I said, uh, I'm on a weird day again. I'm on Thursday, but I didn't want to go to back-to-back on Friday, so I decided to go ahead and – and go live on today on Thursday. Um, I thought about waiting, but there's a lot going on right now. If you guys are watching the news, there's a lot going on. But there's a lot to talk about because, um, well, let's start with where I left off. If you were listening to the show on Friday, I told you that I was going to uh, talk about immigration today. So I wanted to, I wanted to ad- address that, right? But like I said, share this out. Uh, make comments in the chat. I am monitoring the chat, right? Reese, welcome. Angela, welcome. Share this out, share this out, right? Uh, I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to share it right now. But I was talking about um, immigration at the southern border of the United States on Friday. If you if you saw the Law of One, I gave you a little bit of tidbit about what I want to talk about. And the reason that I want to talk about that, and I said a little bit about that at the time, the reason that I want to um, talk about that is because I'm, I'm, I'm Irish, mostly. I'm European. And we came here as immigrants, Okay looking to find a better place and a better way of life because we were poor. The Irish people were poor. They were being starved out by the English. Um, the, the English were ruling Ireland uh, and, and that part of the world, and they weren't exactly, they weren't exactly doing it um, you know, in a nice way. They were treating us as if we were slaves. When we came to America, we got the same treatment. We came to America, and we were... Um, in fact, we were less than the slaves that were here. The African Americans who were slaves were, pro- were, you know, products. They believed they were, you know, something they owned, so they were valuable to them to get the work done, so that they didn't have to do any of the work themselves, right? So, because of that, the Irish uh, faced this campaign uh, against them that was uh, an attempted genocide, without without like using any weapons. They they wouldn't give us places to live. They wouldn't give us jobs when they wanted it, an ad in the paper or an ad at the store help wanted. No Irish need apply was added to that. Okay, so we couldn't eat in the restaurants. We couldn't use their restrooms because we were Irish. We didn't want to have any part of us. We were less than dogs to them. So we, we did the one thing that we could do, the same thing that immigrants have done in this country to this day. Okay, we took all the jobs that the fat, lazy people that were here, born here, wouldn't take, okay, and turned them into prestigious jobs. And it wasn't just 
the Irish. It was all the people that they saw as the slave labor races, which was all of Norway, all of Sweden, all of Finland, all of the Viking nations. Okay? All of the Viking nations that weren't the aristocratic French, uh, um, uh, English, Roman, Greeks. Okay? They were the people that ruled the planet for a thousand years prior to now. Some even further back. So you had the Greeks, the Romans, and then you throw the Jews in there, but the Germans, we saw how they tried to eradicate the Jews, right? So because of that, that's one of the reasons why when the slaves were freed, they gave all the slaves white names, but they gave them white names that were slave race names. Johnson, Jackson, McNeil, O'Neill. You know what I mean? That's why they got those names, because they weren't what we call John Bull names here in America, which are the rich aristocrats, from Germany, from uh, England, from uh, uh, France, right, from Italy, and from uh, Greece. So those people were the ones that were the, the cabal, and they still are. And, and the jobs were, you know, really working in the fields, um, garbage men, firemen, policemen, military. They didn't want to do those jobs, and the only time they were in the military was that they sent their kids to the different Annapolis or the different you know schools uh, in the Army, Navy, Air Force, and the Marines once they were invented to become officers, uh, just like they did in the militaries over in Europe. The officers were all the the knights or the rich elites, and everybody else were the peasants. And that was the fodder that died during the battles. And in fact, even during uh, the uh, Revolutionary War into the Civil War era, the style of fighting was you didn't kill officers. Okay? You didn't kill officers because the officers were noblemen. They were the rich and the elite. You could kill anyone else, but you never killed the officers. That was the way warfare was conducted by gentlemen, quote unquote. Okay? So, um, Lynn, welcome. I didn't see you there in the, in the chat until I just happened to look down now. I was, uh, cause I'm still on the screen for saving or for sharing and I'm not on the screen looking at um, the comments. So I apologize for that. Uh, I didn't see you. Right. So, uh, welcome, um, and shared out. Thank you. So right to, to a Comanche group, even better, because I'm going to talk about native Americans as well. Thank you for that. Right. I uh, see your, your half blood Comanche Irish. I'm mostly Irish, but I am, I'm 2%. Uh, Native American. And I'm not sure which tribe because it came from Baja in here in California. And I haven't researched that yet. So I'm not a lot Native, but uh, but I am. I, well, I think it might be more than 2%. My, uh, my grandmother was half. So that means my father was a quarter and I'm an eighth then. Is that what that is? Right? <laughs> or 16th or however that works out. Um, so my yeah, so my grandmother was was half German, actually, and on my father's side, half German and half um, Native American. And my and my um, auntie Cora, my my grandmother's sister, was like you couldn't tell that she had any white blood in her at all. She was brown leather skin. I mean, she was literally a redskin, right? She had that look about her that that very dark red leathery skin, black hair, brown eyes, you know, and just full on native. Um, great, great woman. I remember her dearly going over to her house when she was you know very old. My grandmother I never met, but I met my auntie Cora. My grandmother died before I was born, but Auntie Cora was still alive when, when uh, I was a, a boy. In fact, she taught me how to gamble and play cards, <laughs> me and my brother. Isn't that funny? So anyway, so I want to talk about that as well, right? So because of that, the, the reason I want to get into that, uh, the Native American part, is because 
you know, you have all these people now, and you have Black Lives Matter, and you have, you know, uh, all this racial, supposed racial tension in America, this supposed um, systemic racism. And I tell them all the time, look, first of all, you don't even know what it was like to be Irish 250 years ago, let alone being locked in chains. You guys had a, a house to live in and, and a job to do, and they fed you. No, yeah, okay, did they beat you and treat you bad? Yeah, but but now let's look at the Irish, and then let's look at Native Americans, okay, and how they were treated. The United States government signed over 185 treaties with Native Americans all across the land, and they never upheld a single freaking treaty. And they literally gave them smallpox and other diseases on purpose and, and bad meat to kill them off. And you guys think you got it bad because there's some supposed boogeyman that's called systemic, and you don't even know what that word means, racism. And I'm going to get into that. But first, let's talk about immigrants and the natives as well. The immigrants, the Irish, the Chinese, the, the, the Vikings who came here that were not rich aristocrats had to take crap jobs. Okay, so what they did was they hired the Irish and the, and the uh, Vikings to go and kill the Native Americans for their citizenship. A lot of them did that because they thought it was the right thing to do because they were trying to get citizenship. And then afterwards realized that it was really bad or during, and they kind of touch on that in, in the movie The Last Samurai, which is based on a true story, where the American soldier who ended up going over to train the uh, Japanese, or the, I'm sorry, the, uh, yeah, the Japanese military to again attack and kill their natives who were their samurais, who lived just like Native Americans did, he realized when he got there and saw what was happening that it was just like the slaughter he had witnessed in the United States. So he didn't want to have any part of it. And he ended up joining with the natives to fight against the machine that he was creating that was the cavalry or the, the, the same thing. It was basically creating the American military uh, that was out on the frontier killing Native Americans. And so he, he swept sides. This time he went Native. And you have the same story with, uh, you know, with Dances with Wolves, which that's supposedly based in a true story as well, where he came out to the plains, met the Natives, realized that they weren't bad people, ended up integrating and becoming one. And they joined, they, they actually let him into their, into their uh, clan, right? Is it's going in and out again? It's me when I'm I'm hitting my microphone. I apologize for that. I'll stop moving my face and stop hitting the microphone. Right? <laughs> right? Okay. And there's Ray. Right? She's, Ray says, "I love it when people have the balls to call me racist." Yeah. And that's so what you guys don't know is that like she has uh, children from like three different races. Right? <laughs> she has like three children in each one. Their father is a different race. Right? So I, I love that. Right. And they look at her and go, you're racist. And she's like, seriously. Right. I know that's like my family. You know, they go, you're racist. And my, my buddy Paul, and he has a half black uh, son. My family is, is Mexican native. I, I'm the one who's the throwback. I'm the one that looks white. Everybody else in my family, besides my mother, who is also the throwback, they don't, we don't look white. We look native or, or Hispanic. Right, even though we were actually Black Irish, which is very similar to Native American, so, so you know, we have blended families. My brother has two half Black children. <laughs> okay, so, so they look at us and you're you're so racist, just automatically by default because I'm white and I have gray hair. That makes me racist. 
and you know they they just currently just the other day we had we had this this is another reason why I want to really think this through before I started talking about this um, because uh, you know you people automatically are going to throw rocks at me and say I'm racist just because of what I'm saying. So I'm not showing my face. So right now, if I told you I was I was African and you've never seen me before, African American, uh, you've never seen me before, you wouldn't know. This is purposely why I left my face not on the screen. Those of you who are listening on the MP3 file podcast, you don't see my face anyway, so you don't know what I look like. Okay, but and that's even better because those people are going to judge me less. Do you see? So now immigrants have been coming to this country um, from. Oh, and uh, let me go back really quick. Let me digress, Lynn. Because you're you're half uh, Comanche, and uh, they actually found out in 2015 that the original natives, the original natives to to the Americas before the quote unquote Caucasians came through, and those were uh, European people who bred with Asians on the way through Mongolia and China and going across the bridge who got here and became the Native Americans, they found the DNA prior to that of the original Native Americans, and they were, in fact, Europeans who did not breed with Asians. They had no Asian blood in them. They were pure European-blooded people who were the original Native Americans to the North American continent. Right? Isn't that crazy? So now if you say you're Native American... In truth, you're actually European. So I think the Europeans got around a little bit more back in the day than people thought they did. Just like when you go on the East Coast, you see that the Vikings were here more than a thousand years before freaking Christopher Columbus got here. That's been proven. They just don't want to change the history books. Okay. So, right? Yeah. And, and I'm not ashamed, by the way. Uh, she says four races. I apologize. She says ra rainbow, right? So this is race speaking. She says four races, and I'm not ashamed of it, by the way. Right. She says, don't think it through. You know, you're right. I know I'm better when I don't. Right. I know. Uh, so the reason is, you know, they are saying, like, first of all, right now, there is a crisis at the southern border, but it doesn't benefit the Democrats to broadcast that because they'll look bad. So now they're going nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. It's not a crisis at the border, but there is. So here's here's a, the only way you know this is because one of the propaganda machines is talking. None of the propaganda machines on any news station, there is no news station talking about and covering the southern border. That's because those are all propaganda machines for the Democratic Party. There's only one news agency that's reporting on it, and that's the propaganda machine for the Republican Party. See, nothing gets on the air unless it's slanted one way or the other. There is no more journalism out there. It's just lies and, and, uh, and uh, propaganda. Right. My brother yesterday was talking to me, who's also a minister. I'm a minister, by the way. Some of you know that and some of you don't. Uh, and I was also knighted by the Holy Roman Catholic Church. So so I am talking from a standpoint of a completely different spin than most people would think. I'm not just some guy who thinks he has an opinion. I've been through training and I've, and I've also gone through the history and this is what I do. So you have you know, my brother said, man, we need to change the laws or something so that we this stops. And I said, well, it was two people, two presidents, Bill Clinton and Barack Obama, that put us in this mix. Barack Obama, let's go back, wait, Bill Clinton, he enacted a law, changed the law, and changed the libel laws so that the news agencies couldn't so readily be sued by people when they lied and allowed them to then now make shit up and lie. And you can't sue them for it because he changed the laws that holds them not accountable unless it threatens your life. 
Then Barack Obama, when he was the president, he changed the law for the very first time in the history of the United States since the United States became the United States of America. Part of, of, of one of the, the laws that wasn't written in the, to, the, to the Constitution, unfortunately, we'll have to put it in there, was that you can't use propaganda against uh, American citizens from Americans. Americans cannot use propaganda on their own citizens. Barack Obama made that legal that you could. So from that point on, the news agencies literally were just propaganda machines for whoever their masters were or whichever political party they were backing. And that's what's happening today. There is no journalism unless it's somebody like myself online and they squash us as soon as we get popular because we're not toting the party line that they want. They're trying to get Fox taken off the air because Fox is the only voice for the right. So they're trying to get them taken off the air because they want one party. And that's another reason why I came on here today. Because of Joe Biden signed this $4 trillion uh, um, money, uh, money pit to give $900 million to all of us citizens and all the rest. Right? $900 million, not $900 billion, $900 million to us and the other $1.399 billion is going to large interest, big interest. It's going to bail the state of California out because they, because Gavin Newsom screwed up the economy here the way he did in San Francisco when he was the mayor of San Francisco. The same thing over in New York for that governor over there who murdered 19,000 people and got it, and he's trying to get away with it. And now six women, as of right now, six women have come forward and said that he has sexually assaulted them or, or went after them and, or, or, uh, you know, talk to them about trying to have sex with them. This last one said she he he actually reached up her shirt and fondled her, groped her. Okay, so that's all they're focusing on because they don't want to focus on the murder charges. He should have manslaughter or involuntary manslaughter charges on him at the very least, unless he was ordered by someone and they don't want that to come out. So now they're just all asking for him to step down and they're going to impeach him over that. They're not even going to deal with the criminal acts of killing 19,000 humans by forcing them to go back and sticking them all into these uh, these uh, old folks homes and then lying about the numbers because he didn't he didn't want have uh, give Donald Trump any fuel to attack him. That's all been proven. This is not hearsay. That's been proven. It's come out in in their they're doing an FBI investigation on this. Okay, so this is not just me making up these these numbers. This is actual fact. Okay. So now let's go back and address the immigration and then we'll come back forward again. Now, everybody says, not everybody, but a lot of people are going, oh, these, all these Hispanics are coming across the border. They're taking our jobs. Now, this goes back to what I was talking about before with the Native Americans, the Chinese, and the Irish, and, and the Norwegians, all the Vikings. They did all the work and took all the shit jobs because the, the fat, lazy Americans didn't want to do those jobs. Okay? So I never did those jobs. I was born in this country. I didn't go pick shit with the chickens. I didn't go out there and, and get work in the fields. I did do a lot of menial labor and construction and things like that and grew up because my father was a carpenter and a janitor. So because of that, I did those things as well, learned those skills. But I didn't go out and work the plantations, get the farm, picking the onions, picking the cotton, picking the bananas, picking the... I didn't do that. The, the migrant workers, quote unquote, migrant workers do that. Okay? And they're... Their women go to work in fast food restaurants and, and uh, convenience stores, and then they're maids. You call a maid company, and you get Hispanic women. 
call landscaping company, you get Hispanic men. They're doing the jobs that that uh, are essential to keep us alive. And the reason I bring that up is that what you guys don't know, remember back a year ago, we're in March now. So a year ago today in March, the pandemic was the pandemic was was declared a pandemic. Okay. So <clears throat> See, okay, so I'm a Reese. Sorry, I'm I'm looking at the chat, guys. You guys that are on the MP3 file, you guys don't you guys don't see this. But Reese said, "Yeah, I'm half Dutch, but one percent Indigenous Australian. So you're native uh, Australian, right? One percent, and it's easy to do. That's like me. I'm two percent Native American. So it's Indigenous people, um, and I'm proud of that. And I, you know what? And wow, I, I any of you guys that have any more of the percent than I do. I can't drink whiskey, sour mash whiskey, American sour mash whiskey or bourbon. I can't drink any of that stuff. It, I go freaking nuts just like a Native American. I want to kill people and murder things. And I only have 2% for crying out loud. I, I envy people like Omar who's half, <laughs> right? Right. I envy the people. Like, I would not want to see him drink whiskey, right? Because w- there's just something in the DNA from the Native Americans that that is poison. I mean, more, more so than the, the alcohol being actual poison to our body anyways. Um, so that's just crazy. So now, even now, okay, in, in our history, we had the coronavirus uh, flare up and now we were trying to lock everybody down. And they were, remember back, they were saying there might even be a uh, food shortage that never really happened. And the reason that never happened was because the migrant workers, all the farm workers were, were deemed essential workers so that we didn't have to close down the farm. So we didn't starve to death. Okay, so while you guys were locked down, being self-entitled and calling up and having all this shit uh, brought to your house, like rich aristocrats, instead of going out and getting it, oh, we'll just get it delivered, someone will show up, some peasant will show up in a mask and give me my stuff, give me my food, peasant, go away now. Okay, so while we were all being rich aristocrats and living like fat cats and living like we were rich and getting free money from the government to do so, which I'm going to address as well, uh, the, the, these migrant workers that everybody hates on all the time, these illegal aliens that everybody hates on, were, were making sure that we survived. They were going out there putting their lives on the line and might get COVID and die because at that time we had no idea where it was transmissible mostly until there was a pattern that emerged much later and we realized that it was people over 65 with, uh, with uh, you know um, heart conditions or some pre-existing disease that were being that the that would be overwhelmed and die from it. Everybody else would get it. It would be just like the worst fucking flu you ever had. Right? So these guys put their lives on the line to make sure that everything you had in the store, meat-wise and vegetable-wise, right? Everything that, that you know grows in the ground or is cultivated, milk, <clears throat> even your cereals, because they had to grow the corn and mill the corn to make the cereals, okay, and the wheat to make the cereals. So everything, crackers, everything that we make, even the the baking goods for cookies and flour, all of that stuff was done by the migrant worker, and it has been historically in the United States since they signed, before they signed the Declaration of Independence. First, it was done by the slaves in those states who had slaves, and then the Civil War happened, and they couldn't do that anymore, and they were freed. So then they had to start paying people, but they still had the slaves. They were still the same. That's why I, I tell people you need to learn history, because if you learn the history of what happened to the Asians in this country, what happened to the Irish and the Germans and the, and, and the Vikings in this country, what happened to this mostly, and prioritize your brain around this, the natives in this country, in the North American hemisphere, and what was done to those people by the rich aristocrats is still being done today. They are still trying to make the Native Americans die out and go away.
they're punishing them for being here first. Okay. And you guys need to get your mind around that. Black Lives Matter. Everybody's saying, you know, you guys are so racist. You just don't even know you're racist. Now, I find this so hard to believe. This is what we're supposed to believe right now today, that we people that are that are not that are not African American, all every other every other race that's in the United States right now is either addicted to something because everything's an addiction. If you watch TV, that's an addiction. Have you looked at porn? That's an addiction. You drink alcohol, that's an addiction. Smoke cigarettes, you're addicted. Right? Everything is an addiction. You, you, what, do you, what do you eat? You eat too much salt? They're addicted. So we're so stupid. We're supposed to be the ones that are in charge, by the way, mind you, because we're also supposed to be the ones who enslaved them. So this is the logic that I'm trying to get my head around. If they're so smart and they're the only race on the face of the earth that is impervious to systemic racism, so they're the only ones who can see that everything is systemically racist and, and everyone else is subconsciously racist. They just don't know it. You know, gay people say the same thing about straight people, that you guys are all gay, you just don't know it. So now we're gay and we don't know it. We're addicted to everything and we don't know it. We're systemically racism and we don't know it. We're, we're transgender and just don't haven't admitted it yet. Okay? But somehow... We were Neanderthalish enough to to imprison only the black race because ask them they were the only ones ever imprisoned enslaved, and we were smart enough somehow to make them a victim. So they who are the smartest and most impervious people, and they are the only ones who can dictate to you whether or not you're racist. Because you can't possibly even fathom what they go through because you're so subconsciously racist, you don't even know it's happening to you. You're addicted to everything. You don't know it. You're, you're racist. You don't know it. You're, you're systemically stupid and don't know it. You're uneducated. You just don't know it. You think you're in charge. But now you have to then give me everything because I'm African-American and I want it all for free and I want to sit on my ass and I don't want to do anything because I'm the smartest person in the room because I see through all your shit. <clears throat> but my race is not addicted to anything, are we? My race does not have any alcoholism. We don't have criminals. We don't have, oh, that's right. You guys made us do that. You guys are pouring alcohol down our throats and getting us hooked on crack by making a smoke crack until we're hooked on it and then turning us loose, right? So, so we're so different than all of y'all that, that we as, as African-Americans are, but we're a victim. Because we're so smart and we're so superior, somehow we, didn't be, we couldn't figure out how to free ourselves when every other race did. This is my point, Okay. As long as the African-American people continue to put themselves in the position of saying that they are a victim, the very first thing that happens if anything in life happens to you, and those of you out there who are hearing my voice, if you've ever been raped, if you've ever been beaten, if you've ever in any way been abused physically or mentally, if you had a car accident, if you had a limb removed, if you were on drugs, <clears throat> no matter what it is, any trauma you've had in your life, the very first step in healing is to admit first of all that the thing that you're that you had happened to you happened and it's not your fault secondly unless you did something stupid like take a gun out and load it and go hey guys look at this pow and shoot yourself in the foot 
then you're just a, a dumb idiot, right? Then you're just a, hey, y'all, watch this, redneck, right? Because that's a stereotype too. Okay, so anything that has ever happened to you in life that is in any way traumatic, one, you have to admit that it happened to yourself. Two, you have to say it was not my fault, so you, therefore you forgive yourself. And three, you then have to, this is psychology 101, you then have to say, I am no longer a victim because I survived that moment. I am now a survivor. And then the healing process starts. In any trauma anywhere in the world, except the African Americans who were enslaved, they refuse and they keep saying that they're a victim and we owe them everything. We owe them and we need to sit down and have this conversation, but there's never a conversation. It's always, you're systemically racist, you have no idea you're racist, and that's the end of it. And until you change the, your mind, we can't change ours. And that's, that's, again, putting themselves in the victim status, which forces any other race, but more, most importantly, the white race, to move into the status of, I, I was a slave owner. And none of my family in the generations that we've been in America ever owned slaves. I know this because myself and my brother have looked into our genealogy and looked at our families and found out where did they live, how much money did they have, and did they own slaves? And mostly on both sides of the family, we've only, we're only third generation in. So we didn't have far to travel backwards in time. And we didn't get here until after the Civil War. So I'm not saying, but, but the statistic is this. Currently in the United States, and this is the actual truth, you can look this up. I saw this on television on many different channels when they were talking about it. Currently in the United States of America, ask yourself this question, guys. Think about it for a second when I ask the question, then I'm going to give you the answer. What is the percentage of people alive today that was had any attachment to any family that owned slaves in the United States? Now, think about and ponder that for a couple of seconds. Let that rattle around in your head. And I'm going to give you the, the answer. And you're going to go, no fucking way. That can't be true. The answer is 8%. 8. 8% of 360 million Americans can trace their heritage back to slave owners. Only 8%. That's it. So the, the African-Americans that are here expect everyone else in this country to pay concessions for an offense that none of those people's uh, uh, families or, or ancestors committed, period. Do you understand that? Look that up. That's, that's a true story. That's a true, actual, factual number. So they think there should be reparations and that people, and this is why I said this, well, if you're going to have reparations for one race, then what are we going to do about the Native Americans? Pretty much everybody fucking owes them a lot of money, a lot of shit. So if, if, the, if the, because the last time someone was enslaved was, was the African Americans, there is currently, currently, openly, openly attitude towards Ending Native American DNA off the face of the earth by the American government. And it's been that way since they got here. And they've never changed that. 
is are they still doing that with African Americans? And some say, oh, of course they are. No, if they were, if you were, they would have rounded you up and put you on reservations like they did the Native Americans, but they haven't done that, have they? They let you live wherever it is that you want, but they don't let natives live wherever they want. If I claim native status, they want to kick me to a reservation right now. Sure, you can be native, but you have to go live there. And some native tribes demand that about their own people. I wish they would stop doing that. I know they're trying to preserve their DNA, but it, you have to understand most of you guys back in the day integrated anyone into your, into your uh, clans. It didn't matter what race they were. If they, if they chose the way of life, they were accepted. And that still happens with blended families now. So it's weird that tribes will say you have to live on our land to be to claim our status because that's closing off the tribe and in, in, in inevitably, you know, uh, aiding the the white man to destroy that race. So that needs to stop, and you know, and they need to farm out, <laughs> right? So if you think you guys got it so bad, I'm not trying to be racist by talking about this, but if you guys think it's so bad. That you guys got it so bad, I, I I can't understand why it is that you drive a car that that is like I'm driving an old clunker that I paid two thousand for, and I'm supposed to be this entitled white guy, right? I'm wearing shoes that I got from a dead man. Okay, I do not have all this rich and wealth that you guys claim I have, but you guys walk around with with five thousand dollars worth of of uh, teeth implants or more, gold necklaces. Clothing that costs ten grand a jacket, and the the shoes cost five hundred to a thousand dollars, and you drive cars that cost eighty grand. And you guys have the latest cell phones, so you you people who keep saying you have nothing, you have more than most people in America do on average. Well, it's because we sell drugs, or no, you don't. You guys don't all do that. You guys don't all do that. Some people do. My people do too. It's you. There's no one single race, except for the Native Americans, can claim a status different than any other race on the in this country. None can, because everything that has happened to you has happened to every race here. The Chinese were just the slaves that the that the African Americans were. They just didn't have uh, chains on them. The Irish were just the same slaves. In fact, worse. And so were the Chinese. They wouldn't give us places to live. They wouldn't give us jobs. They wouldn't give us any food, no housing, nothing. Okay, they were wanting us to starve to death and die and disappear off the face of the earth, just like the Native Americans. But they didn't round us up and force us to live in places and kill us off and slaughter us. They used us to slaughter them. They used us and they have used us ever since. That's why you have so many in, in the governments now, so many presidents that are Irish descent or, or whatever, because they rose up and wanted to make changes. But the problem is most of the people that are in charge are narcissistic and narcissistic people want power. So unfortunately, most of the people that run every government on this planet are in fact evil. That's, that's the systemic problem that we have. We don't have racism. Racism is a red herring for those of you who are European. Racism is, is the Jedi mind trick to keep all of us out here on the planet not looking at what's really going on. What really is going on is we have systemic narcissism. There's your, it's elitism. Those wealthy elites, and they don't care what color everyone else is below them, they're all considered the slave caste. Okay? And that's the way they look at it. They own the planet. They own you. They own your life. You are cattle. You owe them indentured servitude until you're too old to give any, any kind of good work, and then they just want you to die. That's the truth of it. Okay. So 
the, the people that are coming here, these illegals that are coming here, which there's this magic number that they said there's 11 million illegal aliens, which they said in 1982. And they've kept that same number. I'm not buying that uh, the same that they're just trading. People are going home and the others are coming up here. And there's only been 11 million people. There's three fucking people left in Mexico. The guy holding the camera, the guy holding the microphone and the fucking president. Everyone else is in this country. Okay. And they, they do go back and forth because you make good money in America. And when you go back to outside of America, you're freaking wealthy. You're rich, depending on what country you go to. That's not a joke. So I wrote a book about it. You living here in America, you're not poor. You're America poor. In the rest of the world, you're rich. I'm on Social Security. I make $1,200 a month. That $1,200 a month outside of America in any country that's not whitely owned, not owned by white people, so it's not the UK, it's not, uh, uh, you know, it's not the uh, Western Europe or Northern Europe, it's not Australia, it's not the North American continent, any other place on the face of the earth, and I'm a wealthy man. Some places I'm a rich man. But in America, that's below the poverty line, way below the poverty line. Do you see? You're not, you're not poor. You're America poor. And you're only poor. You're only as poor as what you do with your money. I wrote a book about it. It's called How to Get Out of Debt, Surviving in the 21st Century. Right? Okay, so... Now, that gets to the economy. That gets me that we're, we're, we're kind of moving towards the economy. And I wanted to get in, involved in that because, because Joe Biden just signed today a $4 trillion, I said this earlier on, and I said I was going to circle back to it, $4 trillion signed into law, this, this bill that's supposed to be a, a bailout, basically, for uh, people that need help in this country because of what's been going on. Countries around the world are doing the same thing. Now, let me explain to you how the system works. It's in my book. And a lot of you out there may not know this, but our banking system is, is a lie. It's, a, it's fake. We are not, we're no longer on the gold standard or any uh, a tangible uh, standard of money to back up our cash. Okay, The cash that we print and we put into, into circulation, like for instance, they just signed $4 trillion and everybody's going to get a stimulus check of $1,400 and they also extended another $600 for people who are on unemployment. Now, do you know where that money comes from? Show of hands, anybody? Anybody? Right, I say that rhetorically because you guys can't raise your hand, right? You can maybe type something in the chat for those of you who are, who are live on the, on the video version of this. That money is either borrowed from a foreign country or it's just printed. Okay, so, <clears throat> so, so what country would loan us money? You guys would be surprised. China. <laughs> okay. But right now, Chinese money is not worth much because Donald Trump went into a war, trade war with them and they devalued their dollar. So we didn't get we couldn't borrow it from them. So the four trillion dollars. Now, mind you, the total gross domestic product, that means how much money our government generates through taxes, sales, and, and goods being sold overseas to other countries, or even weapons and ammunition and tanks and planes. All of that, or money paid for us to, to uh, you know, uh, do security over a country or uh, in the ocean to secure liners of you know, tankers, whatever. All of that money that we make every year is only $1.5 trillion. And they just signed a $4 trillion package, just this one. 
and there was already a two trillion dollar package package signed earlier uh, well last year, but you know not even twelve months ago. Now, where does that money come from? Well, it comes from nowhere. Okay, it's just printed. So, right, we have this federal banking commission. There's no money in that account. It never has been. They're just called the federal banking commission, and they just they just write a check. They create bonds and sell them to banks, and they write a check, and that check goes into the banks, and the banks and they just put, they goes to the treasury department. The treasury department just prints the money. That's why they show you that on the TV of the money being printed. They just print the cash, and then they send that to banks, or they send the stimulus checks out to us. So they they actually are are they love that because they print the cash and they they put the the check automatically deposited into your bank account. So they actually are making double the actual money. They're inventing money in your account that is just a number they put in there. It's no different than the piece of paper that they printed money. But they also print that money. And they're selling that money to the banks, like laundering the money to the banks. Okay, this is how it works. So then the banks take that money and they play the stock market with it. And then, then what happens is we, you, me, and everybody else, we owe that money to the Fed. We owe that money. It's borrowed on our labor and taxes. Borrowed. Listen to my what I'm saying there. All the stimulus money that you're being paid is being borrowed from you. You, by putting the uh, people in charge, like, like Biden and his administration, you, by proxy, are giving him the power to borrow money against your slave labor. You owe that money back. I'm on Social Security, so I don't pay taxes now. The only part that they get me on is sales tax, point of sales tax, when I buy stuff out at uh, out in the world. So they do still get a portion of the money that comes from taxpayers' dollars, by the way. I get paid from taxpayers' dollars into my bank, and then that gets taxed when I spend it. But it doesn't get taxed at the end of the year because it's tax-exempt from federal taxes. But I still pay all other taxes uh, when I buy stuff. Well, you guys do too. But if you're working, you then pay taxes to the federal government and you pay taxes for social security and you pay taxes for other things all of that money is there and taxed on you to pay for our deficit which is money that we've either borrowed from a foreign country or borrowed from ourselves that also deflates the dollar makes it worth less money you just don't know that okay and and the stock market soars when that happens and gold and silver go skyrocketing and is worth all kinds of money. Why? Because the American dollar, which is currently the currency of the realm, the currency of the world, is the American dollar. It was the euro, but Donald Trump changed it and made it the dollar. And they're going to try and change it back now that Joe Biden's in office, which means we'll get deflated even more because the, the current currency will be the euro. And that gets to be the top dog. So that means that our money is worth less than the euro. Our one dollar will not equal one euro. It'll be less. It'll take like a dollar and a quarter, a dollar fifty, or a dollar seventy-five. There was a time when the English pound was the currency of the realm, and it took five American dollars to equal one English pound. Right? Do you get that? Just like if you go to Canada, your dollar, and they like to regulate it and try and keep it at one American dollar is worth one dollar twenty-five cents in Canada. Their money. And they like to keep it right about that. They keep it on purpose less than 25 cents, less than America, American dollar. 
that keeps their economy right where they want it. They're not a threat to America and, you know, everything works smooth and they're not losing too much money. And it's around even number one quarter of a dollar. Right. So the world banking works that way, guys. All of it is fake. It's just made up by these fat cat rich bankers who basically lend money on the servitude of us. So all that money we're going to have to pay back. Um, I think I don't know that Norway is. They might be. Uh, Ray says, "Isn't Norway the highest value currency?" I don't believe so. You can look it up. I used to have an app that you get them on your phone, and you could look at like American dollars towards any other uh, money on the planet. And Norway was not uh, ever that I ever saw ever uh, higher than America. Um, the American dollar, the only one that beat the American dollar in in the last twenty years that I'm aware of, it was the euro. But I could be wrong. The 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 yen may have at one point as well. It changes all the time very quickly, depending on how much money is in circulation. See, the key to the inflation or deflation of the American dollar is that they only, pr they only print or have in circulation a certain amount of cash. Whenever the cash goes to the bank, they take the old stuff, it goes back to the treasury, and they burn it. Okay, and then they then they if they burn it to the point where they know they have the right amount, they'll produce more cash and send it back to the banks so that it stays the same amount of cash. The reason, uh, if you guys remember when we went to Iraq and when there was the Desert Storm and Desert Shield and all that stuff back in the whenever that was the 90s, uh, they were finding and there's, they made movies about that where they were finding uh, places that had stockpiles of American currency hidden in the walls of the buildings. The reason for that is that Arab people are doing that on purpose to take money out of circulation and hoard it so the American government has to print more and can't, can't take more in like they want to. Because then they can flood the market with American currency when they want to, and it, and it ruins the American dollar. So they can crash the American dollar right after, say, they blow up a, a couple of buildings like the Twin Towers. Right. So they do some terrorist act and they pay for it with American cash and get that all that currency out there. It's better than gold because people will buy well, they'll take American currency because you can spend it almost anywhere on the planet. And it deflates the American currency when they do that. So what they it behooves them to hoard American money. Right. So people like Barack Obama know this. And so he ships pallets of American money to these foreign countries who then take that money and funnel it into terrorist acts. You can look into this. You can see that this is true. It happens. Okay, so we're paying off these, these governments not to attack America when the Democrats are in charge. That's standard Democrat uh, 101. We pay off all the terrorists to not attack us. They give them cash, mostly cash, because it's tangible and it helps. And they also know that, hey, that helps me control uh, and have some control over the American dollar. If I flood a billion American dollars into the market tomorrow, the American currency goes down by a lot, could even crash. So they take the cash as an incentive of, hey, I have some control, and they do. So they do that on purpose, and they pay them in cash. Well, you guys just have no idea what's going on or why. You have no idea what's going on or why or how. I know this stuff because, well, I wrote a book about it. Why did I write a book about it? Because I looked into it. I learned this stuff. Right. It says Ray says Kuwait is actually the highest value currency in the world. Who knew our dollar is 30 cents of theirs? Did you just look that up? If you did, I believe you, because I know how how deflated the American dollar is. I said this before when I was when I first got into the workforce, 
uh, back when you know back when dinosaurs wa- well, walked the earth. I'm I'm only 53, but what back in back when Reagan was in office before that, um, I was a teenager when Reagan got in office the first time. So the, I was getting paid two dollars and fifty cents. So Ray said, "Yeah, she just looked it up." Okay, guys. So the Kuwaiti money, money from the little teeny country of Kuwait, is worth is worth seventy five cents per, more per dollar than our dollar is. So it takes $1, it's actually 30, so that's 70 cents. $1.70 to equal one of their dollars. That's how inflate how deflated the American dollar is. So if you look at the cost of living when I was getting paid $2.50 an hour to do the that was the average wage of America back in 1980. That money actually went farther than uh, than the money does today. When I when I stopped working, uh, when I was in retail management, I was making like you know eighty five thousand dollars a year. But I gave that up when I worked as a as a um, a construction and uh, maintenance worker for the last ten years of my life because I wanted to actually have a life and work a nine to five job and have weekends and holidays off. Because when I was in retail for for fourteen years, I worked whatever hours I needed to work twelve fourteen hours a day eighteen hours a day didn't matter I just did it. And I always worked every holiday, every weekend. That was when you made your money. So I got tired of that one to have a life. So I, so, I, so I got my soul back from being sold to the devil, got it back and just did manual labor and didn't care, ruined my body for it, but I lived a better, happier man for it. Had more time to become more spiritual and do what I'm doing now. So I was getting paid $12.95 an hour, and that money went less far than my $2.50 an hour went when in, back in 1980 because the American dollar had been so deflated that, and it's funny, it's odd that Ray says 30 cents because in truth, the American dollar compared to the American dollar of 1980 is worth 30 cents right now. Now, everybody wants this $15 an hour raise. We've got to have this raise. What you don't realize is going to happen is that all the companies, first of all, there, the uh, if you already work for a company and you're getting paid less than fifteen dollars an hour, but you're getting paid, you know, say the minimum wage is seven seventy five, and you're getting paid ten dollars an hour, and they move it up to fifteen dollars an hour. Well, you don't want to just be moved up to fifteen dollars an hour because the entry guys who come in are going to get fifteen dollars an hour, and you are already making three dollars above the minimum wage. So you're going to want to be at at eighteen, you know, or or nineteen dollars an hour as a compensation. Do you think that your boss is going to do that? No, your boss is going to let you go and hire somebody at $15 an hour. So, and then because now they have to pay $15 an hour, they're going to raise the price of all their goods to offset that raise so that they make their profit margin that they made before. Because I was retail manager for 15 years, you have a profit margin that you're supposed to make every year. And most companies is seven to 9% over last year's sales. Ray, you know this because you're in retail. She's in the food industry, but she's still, she knows, I've, I've talked to her about her P&L. Okay, so, so she has a, a percentage that she's supposed to make over last year's sales. And each year you're supposed to increase over your last year's sales, always increasing and increasing, increasing. If you stay in the same box long, long enough, you won't be able to beat your own numbers. You learn that quickly as a manager. So you start transferring to other stores and you become a, 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 I did, I became the hero that could take a store that was broken and turn it around and make money. And when I got it running properly and started hitting my own numbers on year three, I would leave that store and go to another company or go to another store because it becomes increasingly harder, right? I learned that really early on. I had a manager who had been a manager his whole career and he's getting ready to retire. And he told me, slow down. 
you got great tricks. You got great way of making money, but you're making too much too fast. And he's the one who set me down and said, this is how this works, son. You're going to be going up against your own numbers. So hide some of these tricks you have for next year. Pull out something special once a year that keeps you above last year's numbers. If you do 10, 15 things this year, you're going to have to do 10 or 15 things next year to keep up. So slow down. You want you you'll get there. They'll give you promotions if you're just consistently on the ball. And my and my best friend who saved my life, he he said to me, I don't want to be number one. Because number one is the target that everybody wants to take out. And I did that and I became number one. And that actually happened to me. And he was and he was right with what he said. You never want to be the top dog because that's the first one they kill. They go after the top dog. And this is the scenario that happened. I was, yeah, right. Yeah, management family, Leo, right? Yeah. I was I was working for a company who I was the only store in the district. There were seven stores in the district. I, my store was the only store that was profitable, and all the other managers were, their jobs were in question. Okay. They were weaning me, training me to get ready to promote me to a district manager. Okay. This is, this, I was the golden boy. And the new district manager who came in, who wasn't sure she liked me anyways because I was being trained in, and because of that, I seemed to be a threat to her, which narcissistic people immediately start looking at everyone as if they're a threat to them. And the zone vice president, who I found out later they were having an affair, they sat down and said, how can we fix your district? And they came up with this plan. We can either train seven new store managers and have to fire seven people and pay all that money in the interim, or we can fire the top dog who's not doing anything wrong to scare the other managers into, hey, if we can fire the number one guy for no reason, we can fire all of you. See which one of them or how many of them snap into line and then uh, fire the rest and hire new people, but also in the end get rid of all of the other ones as well but just have them make money for a while so that we can transition in a year instead of you know, transitioning by firing them all now and trying to get good people in there to fix their stores. And, and it might take six months. So we can wait for a year by firing one guy who's not doing anything wrong to, to literally execute him as an example. And they came after me and I left the company before they could do that. But I didn't know that that's what they were doing until later when I was uh, had left another company and wanted to come back. And my buddy, who was my roommate, eventually was my roommate, he tried to get me back in. And they said, no, sorry, this was uh, they for some reason they said he's not rehirable. And he was like, wait a minute, didn't he leave on good terms? And they said, well, yeah, he did. Well, that's weird. I don't know why that's in there. So his friend, his best friend, who was the district manager of a different district, he said, this is what they did to that guy, bro. I found that out. So I since have gotten those people fired, by the way, for doing that. Okay. But that's the kind of stuff that goes on. Now, why does all of that have anything to do with anything? Because we have systemic narcissism is our problem. And the narcissistic people are changing laws to benefit them only, not everyone else. So by printing this stimulus package, they're not doing this because a lot of people need this money. They could have did this before because people needed the money. They created the problem. Let's talk about that now. You have this crazy pandemic, where if you have half a brain, right, and you're not stupid and systemically racist, you realize that that pandemic was overinflated. You've heard the stories on the news. My father died of a car crash, and they said it was COVID. 
Like this guy died of a heart attack and they said it was COVID. And they even stopped saying that it, they actually tested positive for COVID. They started saying that it was probable, <laughs> probable COVID. That's insane, right? How can they do that? Probable COVID. So that's what they started doing. And that was all they started doing. So they're overinflating the numbers. And we know this now. I, I have, You go back in my archives and watch my archives and you'll see the I've had many whistleblowers come on and show you video footage that they took undercover that they filmed where you have just exactly that happening. They were lying, making up numbers. Everybody was being listed as that. They were getting paid to do it. Uh, you know, we all know that it's not. So, so I'm not lying about that. They'll probably the algorithm will kick me off now because I said that. OK. And the whole thing was a plan. Why? Because they're trying to lock everyone down. So they created the problem. So everybody needed help because of what? Because of the lockdowns. Now, anybody who knows anything about and this will come out in history, you can look it up after after this is blows over, which he signed that thing into into a uh, law today. Coronavirus is going to be over by tomorrow. OK. It's going to be over by tomorrow. It's already going away on its own anyways because they claim herd immunity. And the only way to achieve that is through the vaccination. Weird because how many people have had it in the United States and how many have died, right? There's like 550,000 people have died in a year. But how many people had it? 12 million people. That means that 12,500,000 people survived it and have antibodies. They're immune to it. They won't tell you that. They don't want you to, to say that. They, that's why they're saying, even Joe Biden said, it's Neanderthal thinking to not get the shot. Wait a minute. So what you're saying is that the only people who are immune to this are the ones who get the shot? Well, no, we're not really saying that either. Um, you can go and mingle with people that have also had the shot. And you don't have to worry about it. But if you're out in the crowd with just any other normal dirtbag, slimy human, you might want to just put on your mask anyway and social distance. Why would that be if I'm immune to it? If I'm immune to it and I have the antibodies in it, don't you think I'd want to go and hug every person that I knew and shake their hand? Because they might get the antibodies from me because that's how herd immunity works. Whoops, wait a minute, Leo. You can't say that. Never mind that now. Never mind that now. Look, there's nothing going on at the border. Look, there's nothing going on at the border, right? Yeah, Ray Lynn, she says, I'm a Neanderthal then. Screw that vaccine. I'm not going, I'm not doing it. I'm not either. I haven't gotten it. In fact, I've even gotten a notice from my mother that she's on the list to get it. Well, if I give it to her and she dies, she's not going to notice the difference anyway. She has Alzheimer's and she's going to die probably in the next five years. If I'm lucky, I keep her for 10. If I'm not lucky, she'll go in the next you know few months. I God forbid. I don't think she will. I think she'll be around for a little bit longer. So if I get her the, the, the thing and she dies from it, it's not going to change anything. I might be doing her a favor. But I haven't decided to get it for her yet. But everybody else in my family has gotten it. My, my, one of my sisters has. My brother has. His wife uh, has gotten it. Um, who else? I think my, my, I think my niece might have and i think her wife might have so everybody else is, is getting it but i'm not i still haven't gotten it right uh I, and then they're not going to force me to get it either i'm not i refuse and if everybody just stands up and says no they do what we say that's why they're not tell, telling you you have to they kind of hint that we might mandate it and then everyone says what the hell are you doing they go oh well, well we're not going to do that because the truth is they work for us people okay they work for us and that's, that's what's so important that you guys need to understand is that we dictate. But here's the problem. We gave them the power. Joe Biden signed this stuff into, into, to help them. Did you notice that they changed the, from equality? We're, we're looking for equality with, uh, with black people to equity. Look up the word equity and see what that word means. Okay. That, that, what that means is they're, they're trying to 
control things to the point where same thing with the coronavirus. It only protects them, the rich and the elite. It doesn't protect anybody else. They created the social distancing to slow down herd immunity. So, and, and why? There's no other reason besides they're trying to kill off the middle class. Because if farm workers are essential workers, grocery stores, banks, uh, you know, uh, uh, any place that sells alcohol, gas stations, right? All these doctors and lawyers and police, basically every single job in the United States was an essential worker except privately owned companies. Because the people at McDonald's were essential workers, right? Now, if you own a franchise, they'll let you have a slide with that, right? But if you own your own store that's not a franchise name, a big box uh, company name, you're not an essential worker. Why is that? Right? Right. Restaurant workers, but yet you can't, you can't dine in at anywhere beside anywhere. But if you have a drive-thru, because all big box company, as you know, because you work for a big box company uh, drive-thru or, uh, you know, uh, a burger joint, you guys can do that. I mean, I'm not, you're not making the money you were making. Come on, let's be serious. You and I know that. But you're still able to, to exist and pay the bills to stay alive. So they allow that to the big box that, because it's a big box company, right? It's owned by a big brand name. Most of the fast food restaurants are all owned by the same company now. Almost all of them. There's two companies that own every fast food restaurant in the United States and most restaurants. That's not a joke. You can look it up. I have. This is the nerdy shit that I do in my off time. Because why? I'm a watchdog. I'm an overseer. I'm, first of all, just being Celtic. Our job has always been to call bullshit on everything and not trust any word that anyone has ever said. That's just the way we are. If you look up Irish people, we're very cynical. Someone We say nothing is for free. Doesn't mean you there. No, you're not doing me a favor. You're doing you a favor because you wouldn't be doing that because nothing is for free, and we know that. So when somebody says, "Here, this food's good, eat it," we go, "Really? How about you take a bite of it first? Okay. So that's what we do. We look into that stuff and we say, you know, this I call bullshit, and I want to look that up. That's what we do. Okay. So yeah, Celtic pride, bro. Right? Ray Lynn said that. Ray, that's right, baby. Celtic pride. So. uh you know, I, I was just thinking about that because I have the I have the mulligan, you know, the little um, uh, leprechaun tattooed on me. And I remember when I was working, the, where I was working at, this this guy was a uh, um, was an O'Brien. His it was living there, and his son uh, came over, and I was over at the pool. I was working on a pool, trying to to fix the pool because there were some issues. And I was in the pool room, and I was working on the pool, and I heard some talking, and I walked out, and I and he was getting out of the truck, and he was about twenty five at the time. And I was about 45 then. And um, he had the, the little leprechaun tattooed on his neck. And I said, oh, look at that. You got the little leprechaun mulligan. And, uh, and he goes, yeah. He goes, he goes yeah. And I said, I said uh, you must be Irish. And he says, yeah. He says, I'm, I'm O'Brien's son. I said, oh, I know your dad. I said, I've, we, I've cooked with him many times when we do the, uh, the uh, St. Patty's Day um, corned beef and cabbage. I tell him that Leo said hi. And then I said, check it out. And I pulled up my sleeve and I showed it to him. And, um, and she's like, you have that tattoo as well? And I looked at his girlfriend and I said, any Celt or any Irish in America worth their weight in anything has this little leprechaun tattooed on him somewhere. And he looks at her and he goes, see, I told you. <laughs> she was like, that really is a thing. And I'm like, yeah, if you're, a, if you really are into your heritage and you're Irish, you have the leprechaun tattooed on you somewhere or a three leaf clover. 
I also have a black three leaf clover tattooed over my heart. And that's because of the, um, you know, being in the IRA and it's IRA symbol, the, uh, you know, the, the Irish symbol for the country is in fact the green three leaf or four leaf clover. They have that, tat- they have that put on all their um, machinery. Like we have, you know, we had before we used to have the star. Now we have the A on our tanks and our Jeeps. They have that green clover. Uh, so nationally, that green clover is the symbol of Ireland and a black one is in mourning. And that would be people who are in mourning because Ireland is still not 100% free. They're still the north of Ireland. There's what, what is there, four counties up there that are still not free. So from the original um, island of Ireland. So I do have that tattoo there, but I openly tell people, you guys know that, that I used to work for the IRA. Um, And now I can say that because why? Because they became a formal uh, government, which means that my position is um, secret service. (laughs) I'm just the, I'm just the uh, CIA of uh, Ireland uh, involved in the CIA in Ireland have been for 25 years. Okay. So, but before that I was a terrorist, but now that they are actually a free and sovereign nation, I am now a patriot and I'm, I'm now a, um, CIA agent, <laughs> their version of Secret Service. Okay, so, and I'm doing now what I did for them for America, but I'm not getting paid for the American government, but I wasn't getting paid by them either to do that. It was volunteer. That's why they were called volunteers. Uh, they weren't called actual paid military. They were all volunteers. And that's why they won the day. That same thing happened in America when they won the day here. They were all volunteers, basically, because Washington, before he crossed the Delaware, hadn't paid his men in six months. And they didn't have any food. Some of them were taking their belts and, because they were leather and their shoes, soles of their shoes, and cooking that because it was leather. It was meat. It was the skin of, of, of cattle or, or, um, you know, or uh, sheep or something. Uh, so they were eating that for sustenance. That's crazy, but that's what they were doing. Then they said, we're going to cross the Delaware and, and arrest or kill everybody and take their food and beds and everything. And, and that's what they did. Okay. So... These people, these elites are not helping us. They created the problem, getting back to that. They created the problem, and they were trying to slow down herd immunity. But Americans are, or, or people around the world got tired of it really quickly and just started doing stuff anyways to, to spike them. Did that cause spikes in, uh, in uh, uh, you know, coronavirus? Absolutely. But again, again, more than 12 million people just in the United States of America survived survived that. That means they have antibodies in their bloodline that is actually out there, that is actually helping people, right? Isn't that crazy? So that so what's all this distancing and, and mask wearing keeps you from touching someone and passing good antibodies on to them. That's the whole purpose of it. Even with them doing that, the math has still been the same. Okay. I did the math in the beginning as soon as the world started reporting. And and the world math is a 2% death rate in the world. In America, it's less than 2%. It's 1.6% or 1.4% to 1.8% depending on the state and the area of that state. Okay. But the number has been consistent for a year. It's never been over 1%. And right now, even though that there is a, they actually said, they finally fessed up to, because I have said all along, and scientists have come out and said it, but of course they get canceled very quickly. When you have a vaccine or when, when you have, let's start with a test. When you have a test to test for a virus of any kind, there has never, ever, 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 ever been any test in the history of the human race 
that has not had a false positive percentage, meaning that literally there's a percentage that when you test someone is going to come back positive when they don't really have it. Those are usually low because you, you work at a test and try to lower that percentage as low as you can get, but you acknowledge that there is a percentage that causes a false positive. And then you go back and test somebody again, and if they test positive twice and you use a different batch, then that becomes a positive, even though the truth is it still could be, by that percentage, two false positive tests. Now, they never, never exp uh, said to anyone on the face of the earth what that number was or even that it existed for the coronavirus. There was one that one blonde doctor, that woman who wore a scarf all the time around her neck and wore a different one every day. She came out and said that there was a, a 10%. That it's, on, it's on a video somewhere. I'll have to grab it. That there was a 10% false ratio, uh, false, false uh, positive. And that translates, and this is what weirds people out, that translates to possibly 50% of all test rates being false positive. And people go, how could a 10% translate to that? There's a lot of science that goes into that. And if you're not a biologist, that sounds like a weird number that how can 10% ratio turn in? Because it's a ratio, guys. It's, it's a 10% ratio. So it doesn't mean that, uh, that, it's, that it's only 10% of all tests. The lower, the, the way the percentage, the ratios work is it's like exponentially. So a 10% ratio adds up to about 50-50 chance. So if you have a 4% ratio, you're still looking at a 38% chance. Do you understand that? My mouth is not exact, but it's close. I'm going off the top of my head. Now, I am a chemist. I went to school for this. Know that. I was certified in the state of California for 10 years as a chemist. I haven't gotten my certification in the last five years, so I'm, I'm not legally a, a certified chemist now. So I can't legally speak in court about this. But I did it professionally for 10 years. Okay? That's why I was working on those pools. You have to be certified as a chemist to work on public pools and spas or anything doing with them, creating them, you know, uh, fixing the water of the whole nines. And you, you have to be certified and everything that you buy in the stores or chemically wise is in fact tracked. And it's put in a national database because the chemicals that you get to work on pools, I can kill you 47 different ways, B blow you up, burn you out or, or, or kill you with mustard gas, ancient orange. Okay, because I know how to make that stuff. I know how to make bombs out of freaking uh, stuff that you buy in the store. That's not a, that's not even a joke. You can get you can hand me baking soda and I can kill you with it. I can make a bomb out of it, or you can make crack out of it, <laughs> right? If you're a chemist. Okay, so they know. So it translates. The ratio translates to a very high number. But they, but there was. I, I didn't even know about her saying that until I was watching a video about a week ago, and I went, "Wow, I didn't know that she actually came out with that number." So I rewound it because the guy was like, "What are they talking about? They're telling us that was what the video was about. They're telling us all these crazy uh, things back and forth. Wear a mask. Don't wear a mask. Wear two masks. Wear now. Wear three masks. Don't social distance six feet, eight feet, ten feet. And they kept changing. The reason they did that was to first of all scare you. And secondly, isolate you, and that creates more fear and anxiety. It's a torture technique by the CIA. That is the honest truth. Even, even doing what they're doing to children is a torture technique. So they're not doing anything that they don't already know about. They know that it is a technique for torture, and they're using it against all everyone in the world. 
Why would they be doing that? Because they have some plan. They have something that they're trying to get to, something they're trying to accomplish. Okay, so they lie about the numbers of people and how they're dying and add extra numbers. And then they also don't tell you that probably 40 to 60 percent, I would say 30 to 50 percent of all tests are are wrong. Positive tests are wrong. So the positivity test in the United States right now is down at 2.2 percent positive. That means that, you know, that's 80 some odd percent. Right. That's not that's coming back negative. So. Even with the false positive rate of the test itself, it's down to 2% positive rate in the United States currently, people getting tested, which would tell you that if it's half that, it's only 1%. Okay, and if that's the case, that means that those, those uh, 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 20 million or whatever it was that survived have the antibody and herd immunity is kicking in faster than they wanted it to. That's why they're backpedaling now and going, well, even if you had the shot, you really still needed to self-distance until no one tests positive. And they also know that the possibility of that happening is zero. Why? Because there are seven SARS viruses out there that are not COVID-19, that are not coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2. You have all the other ones that are out there. And if you get those, you're going to test positive for coronavirus because there are seven coronaviruses currently on the face of the earth, not in counting the, the coronavirus mutations, which are up to four. Okay. So that means there's 11 current possible uh, viruses that you could pick up that would have you test positive for coronavirus. They're testing animals and they're testing positive for coronavirus. They're testing koalas. They're testing apes. Why is that? Well, because the coronavirus originally came from them. It came from bats. So that means the animals have already been having it. That's where they found it in nature, was in the animals. And then they converted it and taught it how to, to get into humans. So when you're testing all these, these other animals now, they're trying to do that to scare you. Of course they're going to test positive for it. The animal kingdom already had them for a 1,000 years. Usually takes a 100 years or more for any disease or any, I should say, any virus that originates in the animal kingdom, it takes more than 100 years uh, during nature on average before it'll flip over and, and humans will get it. Yet this SARS-CoV-2 took seven. That's weird. Oh, but wait, in that seven-year time period, it was being worked on with a joint effort between the United States government and the Chinese government in a place called Wuhan, China in a, in a uh, facility that was funded by the United States of America. What do you think they were doing in there? What do you think they were working on this virus for? Were, were they trying to find a cure for the bats? Because it was the plague that was killing off all the animals? No, we'd have heard about that. They would have, somebody would have told us that there's a virus out there. I know because do you guys remember the honeybee? The European honeybee that came over to the United States when the monks brought them all over here and they took over and almost uh, annihilated all other uh, sources of pollination in the United States, uh, which because it's an aggressive species and we were using them. So the honeybee all of a sudden started going into extinction. We heard about that. <clears throat> that was a global extinction event, right? <clears throat> Pardon me. So we heard about that. And it turned out it was all the pesticides that we were putting in the food that was killing the honeybee. All of a sudden, that stopped, and there was no big deal about it anymore. Why? 
they changed the regulations and said we can't use that product anymore or take that product out of the uh, pesticides and they did so they didn't die and they flourished because of it okay but they didn't know for a minute and they thought we humans were going to have to become worker bees and that we were going to have to uh we were going to have to go out and and literally pollinate things which that would have just created a whole new workforce for us but they found out that what happened was the bumblebee and all these other animals that were doing the pollination before the European honeybee made it to the North American continent had then flourished and got more and more. There was more of them. I remember there was a ton of bumblebees flying around because the, the they took over. They flourished. They be, had more babies. So they had bigger colonies because they needed to, and they could because there was room. So that's when they went, okay, even if the honeybee dies out, the European honeybee, all these other bees and uh, animals that do all this pollinating are going to go ahead and pollinate for us. So, wow, whew, we, we uh, dodged a bullet there. But they also changed the pesticides not to kill off an entire species. So now it's balanced back out again, right? Almost, It's gone back basically to the way it was in 1980 where the honeybee, the European honeybee is the most dominant in the North American continent. I don't know about the rest of the world because I didn't really go and, and look at all of that. Okay, so... So yeah, Ray, Ray says it's been on the on the back of the Clorox wipes since they rolled off the assembly line, right? Talking about the the Corona, yeah. So it's already been on there. So coronavirus has been around since the '80s, uh, and and it has, right? See, this is what Ray's saying there, and it has, and it's already been on the back of the wipes. And when people just discovered it, when they said coronavirus, they're like, "How come it's already on this thing that I bought three weeks ago?" And they didn't even know about coronavirus. Well, that's because they knew about it. They just didn't know about SARS-CoV-2. That's the current one that we're fighting off. But see, they, they don't want you to know that. They're, they're Look over here, look over here. So they called it COVID-19 so that you wouldn't catch the idea. They got tried to get away from coronavirus as soon as they could because they kept calling it a disease. But wait a minute, its name is virus, coronavirus. What is the coronavirus? That's a flu bug. Well, wait a minute. If it's a flu bug, then we don't need a cure for it. Right. Well, there, this isn't a cure. It's a vaccination. OK, so we already had a flu bug shot and they told everybody they should get their shot. And that one was only 30 percent effective. So guys like me said, well, then why would I get it? Herd immunity is going to be better than 30 percent chance of that. I'm going to pay money to get that to a pharmaceutical company, which is not going to do me any good. And I have a 70 percent chance of getting it anyways. Well, now they're going, wait, 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 this one's 95%. That's outstanding because it's never happened in history. Yeah, and they also created it in less than a year, <laughs> right? But wait, no, now it's coming out that they were working on this, this cure for this virus for 10 years. How could that be possible when coronavirus just showed up last year, Leo? Wait, that's because it's been here how long? They've been working on a cure for it since they... <gasps> invented the coronavirus wait a minute so where was that invented i don't know but i do know that the american government and the chinese government were working on the coronavirus in this place called wuhan china wait isn't that leo isn't that where they said this virus originated well not in the in the institution where they were working on the coronavirus but supposedly from a bat that was sold as food in the market a hundred yards away from said facility so that's no coincidence there. There's no correlation whatsoever. I don't see any. Do you? No, 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 no. You're right. Absolutely. I was wrong for thinking that. My God, why would I even think that? Why would I think that? She can't believe I went that far with that thought. Okay. So 
the U.S. government patented the coronavirus in the early 90s. I've seen the patent. I played it for you on my show that got deleted from YouTube, but I still put it back up, and I also have it on, on Facebook. And you can also listen to it on my podcast, my MP3 file podcast, because those people don't work for the big tech corporations, the companies that I put my show on, so they haven't actually deleted my show. My show is not drawing 100,000 people to my show. If it was, I would already be off the air, you see? So I put it on BitChute. I have more people that love, listen to my show and watch my show on BitChute than I do on YouTube, and I've had that YouTube channel for seven years. I, I started BitChute three months ago or two months ago, and I already have a bigger, a twice the following on BitChute that I did over on YouTube for seven years. Believe me that, right? Riddle me that, Batman. And I have the, the following that I have on my MP3 file uh, podcasts around the world is bigger than my YouTube following. It's bigger than my Facebook following. So I don't need Facebook and I don't need YouTube. Put those two numbers together and that's only about 3,000 people listening to my show. I have more than that on my MP3 file around the country, around the world, around the country, just around the United States. They have more people listening to my MP3 file podcast than I do total around the world on Facebook and YouTube combined. Okay. So I'm not concerned with them. It just means you guys won't catch me live because I'll be going live on like BitChute and then putting it on the rest of the world. Right, or I'll go live on Rumble and then I'll put it on the rest of the world. Uh, right, so or I can actually go live on uh, Anchor FM. So that's Spreaker. I own a radio station there called the Ryan Rising uh, Radio. Uh, so I could go live there and then put it on the rest of the world. So I don't need these big tech corporations. Right, I don't need them at all. I'm just using them right now because it's a platform where I can. It's another platform. Okay, so the essential migrant workers. Let's now go back and recap the migrant workers that come here illegally or not. Do a job that, that your lazy ass doesn't want to do. Let's admit it. See, the first step in doing this again, what did I say before? The first step in healing is to admit it. We Americans do not want to pick shit with the chickens at all costs. We'd rather go to a fast food restaurant and stand there because we know that when we're just the worker there and the manager's not around, we can sit there and fucking loaf until we get caught. And then, all right, I'm flipping burgers. All right, I'm taking out the trash and doing the outside yard thing. Because they're lazy and they don't want to do it. And, and, and poor people like Ray and myself, we have to be the slave master and whip your asses into shape and get you to do work for us or win you over and, and start teaching you pride so that you want to have a good work ethic. And that's what we deal with. So we're constantly in training because some of you just are too lazy and you have to go. And some of you start wanting to or learn what it means to, to this is what it's going to be the rest of my life. I better get used to it and figure it out. So some of the smarter kids figure it out, but nobody wants to go out in the fields and pick the shit in the fields. Nobody wants to work in the slaughterhouses. Nobody wants to work in the cheese packing uh, uh, factories, the meat packing factories, the milk uh, factories. No one wants to do that. So it, so it always has fallen to, fell to the immigrants of this country from the beginning. So stop bitching about Latinos coming here one way or the other. They're not going to stop them because the drug cartels are paying the federal government. The government has been getting 50% of the drug cartel's money for, since the dawn of time, since they started uh, uh, bringing drugs into America. This is not a lie. You can look it up. I wrote a paper about it in college, and that was back in the 80s. Okay, and maybe it was 90s. And, uh, Bill Clinton was in office, so it was in the early 90s. Okay, and I was in college, and I wrote a paper about it, and it was called Who Watches the Watchers? It's now a documentary on History Channel, and you can watch it. And I wrote it, and the narration is mine. My name's not going to be on that because it was stolen from me either by one of the people in my class 
or the teacher in my class stole that and somehow that became on the hand, the hands of of a history channel and they made a documentary out of it i didn't sue them over it because it's actually a, a good documentary you need to look into okay so i called it who watches the watchers and it was subtitled the mechanization of of uh civilization okay and and what there was two parts because there was one there was one that was uh, talked about just the mechanization, but the other one talked about so it was a two part. They only centered on the second part. No, actually, I think they did both. But they showed it. They, they did because it's hand in hand. The the whole mechanization of everything, turning everything into factories, then gave a control to a certain rich elite, and it also gave them control over what we needed: oil for gasoline, that sort of stuff, rubber for tires, steel for uh, cars and skyscrapers and, and machinery and stuff like that. And so it turned that whole business into the industry that it is today. And then, of course, governments got into controlling that because the rich and the elites control the governments. And then they had to do something about the poor people to keep them poor. So they made sure because they first they got rid of alcohol and realized, one, they were losing a, a ton of revenue on the taxes. And two, people were doing it anyways. But then the ones that were more sobriety that got off of it started paying attention to the corruption in the government. So they had to go back to giving you the that's why they give you the cigarettes, give you the alcohol. And they allow drugs while they pretend that they're fighting against the drugs. Ronald Reagan had a drug czar, and the whole entire time there was books written about it, and that was what I wrote about in my uh, in one of my theses in college because it was based on a book by, by a guy named Michael Levine. Um, Michael Levine, who was a DEA agent, and uh, and his best friend, who was um, Kiki Caminera, who was also an undercover DEA agent. And the whole time that the DEA was trying to bust the cartels, the CIA was going around the, the, all the other uh, law enforcement agencies and making sure by using their undercover ops of, of uh, boats and aircraft, flying the, 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 the dope and, and sneaking the dope past customs to get to the United States, to be dispersed to the United States. They were getting a cut of the money. This is true story. Broke in the 80s. And I wrote, I wrote about it in the 90s. True story. The guy was on te national television telling the story. Kiki Caminera got murdered when they found that, that he was, uh, they leaked that he was a, a FBI uh, undercover. No, they were DEA. I apologize. They were DEA undercover. And somebody in the CIA leaked it because he pissed the guy off. So it cost him his life. And when Mike Levine found out about it, he um, at that point became a whistleblower. And wrote a book about it and went all over the United States and the world to, to talk about it. Well, of course, the government didn't do anything about it. They just discounted him and said it's untrue. But it is true. The proof is there. I looked it up. Okay, so the American government, you will never get drugs off the streets. That's why nobody, everybody was fighting against Donald Trump trying to stop MS-13 because they're getting money from it. The federal government of the United States of America is getting black ops money by assisting the drug trade around the world, and they're getting paid for it. And they get to use that money to do whatever they want. It's off the books. This is true. It's not a conspiracy theory. You can look this up. You can find this information. It's out there. Okay? So there's an agenda going back to what we were talking about, right? So the, there's always an agenda. Let's go back to the very beginning now with, with the money, right? With the, with the migrant worker, like I said, and come forward. Migrant worker has to be an essential worker so that we don't starve. Therefore, they are. The migrant worker has always been that essential worker since the dawn of this country, and they always will. You hear them say that. We need more immigration. That's because they need that slave labor force that's going to work for less than you will work for. 
It's never changed. There's your systemic problem. The systemic problem is not racism. It's classism. They don't care what race you are. You're a slave to them. The Irish were slaves. The blacks were slaves. The Native Americans refused to be slaves, so they have to be eradicated. They refused. They wouldn't let them use them in any way, and that's why they are still trying to kill them. The Irish let them use them, joined their little club, and, and changed things from within. So did black, um, so did black Americans. So did Asian Americans. These, uh, so did uh, Mexican and, and Hispanic uh, Americans. They, that's why our country has this diversity where you have all these ethnic groups in our government right now. Not everyone is evil. The ratio on this planet is 80% good. It's actually less. I think it's less than 20% evil. I think it's more like 16 to 17%. All the rest are good people. It's just that rich elite 10% are the ones who have put themselves in charge of everything because they have this lust for power and control. So everything that's going on at you, to you, for you, is either to distract you from knowing what I just said to you and learning that, or it's them trying to oppress you in some way because you're not them. Equity is a word that is designed to, to stave off something, to protect, not to make equal. That's why, the, hence the word equality means equal, but they change the narrative. You have to ask the questions if you're, if you're an uh, African-American. Why is it, okay, Black Lives Matter is, is a good cause. Who, who invented Black Lives Matter? It was an African-American woman, and she had a great cause. But who gives all the money to Black Lives Matter? Rich, elite, white people, politicians, and, and CEOs of corporations. Antifa, supposed to be anti-fascist. Who gives them money? The same rich, elite, white people. Why is that that the, if you're trying to fight against systemic racism, why is it that the people who are funding you are the exact systemic racist people you claim you're fighting against, but you're not fighting against them? You're not doing anything against them. You're only doing everything against your common folk people. Why is that? You have to ask that question. Well, that's because nobody's listening. No, no, no. Everybody on the streets of America is living it, so we get it. Oh, no, you're so racist, you can't possibly know what I'm talking about because I'm black. Okay, so tell me, how does a Native American feel? You think you know? You think you're smart enough to know what it means to be a Native American? I can only imagine because I've seen it in the movies and I've seen it on television. I've seen, I've gone to Native American powwows. I've gone to drum circles. I've gone and spoke to these people, and I've always wanted to learn. And I think now I realize that now because it's, it was in my DNA. I didn't know that when I was younger. But I've always wanted to learn everything I could about Native people. And now I find out that it is, in fact, in my DNA. It drives me quite a bit. And being a Celt, by the way, if you go and look at, at the Celtic people uh, up to, you know, like in the, in the history, they live just like the Native Americans did. The culture was identical. Identical. They wore animal skins just the same, right? They just wore a wool and turned it into a kilt. Native Americans wore leather, but it was the same thing. It was a kilt. They lived in tents. They didn't start building uh, uh, stone structures until way later. And then the, by that time, the Native Americans were building the, either the, the mud structures or stone structures. So, so the, they mirrored. And then when you find out that the DNA was actually the same people, 
the Native Americans that were here in North America were the same people who were in uh, Scotland and Ireland in the old country. Same people, same DNA. So their cultures were almost identical. The only difference was the you know one was over in Europe and one was over here. When the Irish came over here, if you look at everything that the Irish do, including playing the fiddle, it's very similar to what the Native Americans did here. They just didn't have the fiddle, right? But they do now. So then they were also just as spiritual. So it's a DNA thing. Okay, so these people, there is no systemic racism going on here. That's a lie. That's a Jedi mind trick. And I'm not going to buy that subconsciously. I'm, they, you know, they just did that to Mrs. Osborne on, I didn't see it, but I usually watch the talk because my mom likes it, but I get tired of it because they're just cackling and, you know, they're like the view and it's just their opinion, right? Who has an opinion? Wait a minute. I have an opinion and I'm talking about it right now with my opinion, right? So why would I want to, as a talk show guy with an opinion, want to sit around and watch other people we're talking about with an opinion? But I do, because that's you get what's going on. But I didn't see it. But what because of that guy over in England who uh, quit his job, he was on Good Morning uh, uh, um, the UK. Uh, I can't think of his name right now. Uh, Pierce Morgan. He, uh, which I didn't think he would ever do something like this, but he got up and walked out because he wouldn't continue the narrative that poor Meghan Markle victim status, poor Meghan Markle, because this whole thing hinged on someone that was not named that was either Charles or William uh, had was racist and said, what color do you think your baby is going to come out? And I said, you know, I've asked that same question many, many times in my family, not being racist, but because we're blended. Right. So, you know, hey, what, what color do you think are, are the, this kid's going to be this time? Are they going to be darker or lighter? That's not mean we're being racist. We're trying to figure out how much DNA they have from said race that they're blended with. It doesn't make any difference because the truth is I'm a recessive gene. I'm a recessive gene. My freckles and light skin is only one per generation. Everyone else in my, the history of my family is dark skinned. Even the black Irish, because they're black Irish. They're what's called black Irish. Basically, they look like Hispanics, but they have blue and green eyes. That's part of the heritage that goes back to Spain, which is where they are actually from. All Irish and English and Scottish people originally came from Spain, the the southwest portion of Spain, where they also have that recessive gene. They have blonde hair, blue-eyed people, and they have dark-haired people, the Spanish people. You look at Mexican people when they were they were bred with Spanish. You're going to find some Mexicans down there that are what have blonde hair and blue eyes. Where'd that come from? That comes from the Spanish blood. Okay, so I'm the recessive. I'm the only one that's this fair skinned. My mother is too. And on my father's side, his middle brother, Leroy, was also red haired and freckled. And so it was one per generation. He had an older sister and an older brother. The older sister looked native. The older brother also looked native. My father looked native. And then his brother, who was the, it wasn't the middle one, he was the youngest one. I apologize. The youngest one, uh, Leroy, he was, he had red hair and freckles. His father had the red hair and freckles and he was the recessive. So my mom was the recessive on her side. So because my father had a recessive and my mom had a recessive, I was the the second born, actually third, because there was a, a, a baby in between uh, my sister and myself. Uh, we I have four older sisters, but three of them, uh, the first three are from a different mother, uh, my father's first wife, and then my sister Debbie, and then me, and then my brother. But my sister and myself, there was a baby inside between uh, the, us two that my mom miscarried. It was a boy, but we don't know whether he was going to be the recessive or not. But I was the, I'm the recessive. So when people look at me and go, you're white, you're racist. I'll, no, I'm a recessive gene. I'm an albino in my family. My skin's almost like that. I have to treat my skin like I'm an albino. 
Okay, so for, for people to, my point with that is for people to say to me that I'm racist, you, have, you don't know me. You don't know me. And if you did know me and my family, you would realize I can't be racist. I don't have any African DNA, but I do have native and I do have Hispanic. <laughs> okay, because to have native these days is to have Hispanic because they're blended unless you're a Puritan uh, Native American. Right. And that's very rare as well. You can't find very many uh, Native Americans that are 100% Native. They're always half. Look at them, the people in the crowd here that were talking about that. Half Cherokee, half half Mohawk, half, right? So so everybody's got some, but, and that's just what happens because people are, 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 are breeding with other people, right? So you have like Meghan Markle saying she's black. That woman ain't black. That woman is mostly white. I'd like to test her DNA and see what it is. It ain't 50-50. She's not 50-50, okay? She's like 60-40 or 80-20. Barack Obama was like 60-40. He looked like my family, only a darker version. He actually resembled my father and my brother. Just a different version. He looks like my nephew, who's very dark-skinned, but he's more Hispanic, and you can see that. You can see the native in him. That's my sister's son. Okay. And, and all my sisters, the other sisters had the same thing. There was one recessive, Carolyn, the oldest, but she was black Irish. She had the dark hair, but she had the blue eyes and the pale skin and some freckles but it was darker than mine. She had, she could tell she was black Irish. And then as so I was Carolyn, so Jennifer and Julie, Julie looked Hispanic straight up. Jennifer looked a mix between the two. Okay. And then Debbie, she looks Hispanic and then myself and I got, I'm the recessive and, and my brother, Jeff, who looks like he's in the middle, just like Jennifer did. They all look alike. You get a family reunion and you go, Oh yeah, that's a good Hispanic family right there. And then I walk out my brother, Jeff walks out and my sister, Carolyn walks out and you go, all right, what are, the, what are those guys like the milkman? No, we're, the, we're just a recessive in the middle, in the middle uh, between blended, right? So, but people don't know that. They just see me on air and then you're just, you're just, you know. So on the show, getting back to that, because of Pierce Morgan quitting, because of that, he's like, I'm not going to paint the narrative that, that it was because they were being, that they just weren't off the cuff being stupid and saying, hey, what do you think the color is going to be? So he wouldn't go down that road and they kept yelling at him, telling him he was, he was racist because of it. So he quit. So now, on the talk, uh, Ozzy Osbourne's wife, Sharon Osbourne, is one of the people that are on the talk. And she's very British. She was defending him, saying, look, it, it, you know, he was just saying, what if it was off the cuff? But they're, they're refusing to say, if you say that off the cuff, that means subconsciously you're actually racist. To wonder what your child is going, what, what color your child's going to come out is systemically racist. No, it's not. It's me pondering what my kid's going to look like, because that would be the same as me saying, I wonder if it's going to be a boy or a girl. That is the exact same thing. No, it's not. The other one's superficial. No, because what if I'm saying, I wonder if my child's going to be born gay. Does that make me racist towards gay people or sexist? If it does, if it doesn't, then me going, I wonder if this kid's going to be light or dark. Doesn't mean shit. In my family, we all say that. I wonder if they're going to be, if it's going to be the toehead with the freckles or if it's going to be a darker one. That's a normal question in my blended family since the dawn of time. That doesn't make me systemically racist. The problem that we have going on in this country is that I'm supposed to buy into the fact that I can't learn anything without the government telling me what it is. I can't get systemic, or I'm sorry, I can't get herd immunity unless I get their vaccine. I can't cure myself of anything unless I get hooked on their medication from a pharmaceutical company, which cures absolutely zero and only keeps me alive until I get overwhelmed by all the problems created by their medicine and die from that. 
or get cancer and die. I'm so stupid that I don't even know I'm racist. I'm so stupid, I don't even know that I'm addicted to everything because everything is an addiction. I'm addicted to the internet because I'm on the internet. I'm addicted to video games because I play a video game. I'm addicted to chocolate because I like a candy bar. I'm addicted to alcohol because I drink alcohol. I'm addicted to, to salt because I like potato chips. I'm addicted to porn because I like looking at naked women. Um, sorry, I'm a human being. We like looking at naked other humans. If you stop liking that, you're too old because it is built into our DNA for us to want to procreate until we get to a certain age. Then we're too old to procreate, so that, that instinct goes away. So if I stop looking or wanting to look or fantasizing about what a woman looks like naked, I am, in fact, past my age of breeding and that's a natural thing. It doesn't make me addicted to sex or addicted to nudity. And if I like drinking, just because I like drinking doesn't mean I'm in denial. And that I'm uh, because if that's the case, then I'm also gay because a gay person will tell you straight up. Everyone's gay. You just don't know it. You're it's systemic and subconsciously you're gay. So if I'm to be gaslit to believe this, then I'm a racist, homophobic, bigot, sexist, rapist addicted to uh, alcohol, tobacco, firearms, God, addicted to drugs, addicted to nudity, addicted to porn, addicted to air, addicted to food. Oh my God, I should fucking kill myself. Wait, that's an addiction too. It's a disease and you need to be helped by someone. And here we have a pill for it. Do you understand that? We have gotten ourselves, there is so much craziness going on with this fake woke shit where these people's claim they're woke and they're just fucking either power hungry, money hungry, or they're just fucking stupid. And they're telling everybody that you are a walking disaster and that you have not got the wherewithal. However, there's one race who is impervious to all of that, and it's the African-Americans. Weird thing, though, because they're also addicted to the same thing I'm addicted to. Because they all do the same things. They all do the drugs. They all do the alcohol. They all smoke. They all get tattoos. They all rob banks. They all eat the same foods. I like chitlins, right? We all eat the same shit. So they have the same things going on. But I'm supposed to believe that one thing, one thing that they know that no one else knows is that everyone else is racist but them. And I'm supposed to fucking buy that shut up and say, oh, you're right, I'm racist. So they went after uh, uh, Sharon Osbourne because she defended him and told her that she was subconsciously racist. If I were Sharon Osbourne, I would quit that fucking show in protest and I would go on Oprah Winfrey and tell my story. But Oprah won't have her on, will she? Because Oprah's going to sell you that you're systemically racist. Do you know what the racism that's systemic in this country? It's the racism that african-americans have towards white people and everyone else there and that well, we can't be racist we're black that's a racist statement in and of itself and to say that someone else is systemically racist or subconsciously racist is racist I'm tired of hearing it i'm tired of hearing that you're painting yourself as a victim you're the only race on this planet that has currently gone through the strife that you have gone through that has not risen yourselves above 
the victim status and said, I am not a goddamn victim. I am a fucking survivor and I'm going to prove it. And I'm going to shove my race down these people's throats and make them understand that we are strong. I'm going to change the system. That's what the Irish people did. That's what the Native Americans did. And they get it even harder because the government won't let them and the government's trying to kill them off. But they said, we're survivors. We're not victims, and we're going to prove it to the world. And they have taken a stand, and they are proving it to the world, albeit really slow because the world is against them. Albeit slow because the American government is trying to murder all of them. The American government's not trying to murder the African-American people or the Irish-American people or the Italian-American people or the Chinese-American people or the Jewish-American people or the German-American people or, or any other nation. But there's two native peoples that are trying to be eradicated from the face of the earth by their white slave masters, and that's the aborigines in Australia and the aborigines in the North American continent. If you're aboriginal to a place where white people think they own, they want you gone unless you play their game. Everyone else who plays their game can change their game from within. My people learned that. The Italians learned it. The, the, uh, the uh, Vikings learned it. The Chinese learned it. The Hispanics have learned it. The Japanese have learned it. The Jewish people have learned it. Everybody has learned that. Stand up. Don't count yourself as a victim. You say, I am a survivor. A rape. All women who be, are raped, or even men, the only way they heal is to say, I am no longer a victim. I am a survivor, and I'm going to not let this happen to other people. And they take a stand, and they start to heal. And that's the way to heal. If you want to have a conversation about racism, you need to stop propagating racism. You need to say, I am not. I survived. My people. It's not even you. There is no one alive today who was a slave in chains. No one. Is there people, that, and is it 100%? I'm not buying that either. If there's only 8% or 18% of the people, white people, that owned slaves, I'm not buying that 100% of all African Americans were here and their families were here as slaves. I would wager this large portion. I'm not trying to downplay it and say it's 18%. It's probably more like 75 to 80%. I'll give you that. Maybe even be higher. I'm not trying to downplay that. But what I'm saying is your great-great-grandparents were not slaves. Maybe great-great. But I doubt it. Unless you're over the age of 50. If you're over the age of 50, you might have had a great-great, just two greats. But other than that, you're three greats. That's three generations ago. It's over, man. Is there still people that have chosen to be prejudiced that want you guys to go back? Yes. Is it every single white person, even subconsciously? No. Is it designed into the society itself? No. What's designed into this society is systemic classism. It's nothing to do with the color of your skin. Sorry to tell you. It has to do with where they deem your race. So there is a racist that way, but it's not just against one race. It is every race. Every ethnic group that is not those 14 to 17 families only. Anyone else and everyone else is a slave race. So it's not systemic racism towards your race. It is everyone. But you're because, because of being the last group of people that were enslaved. This is the honest truth. And, and, and I got this from, from um, what is his name? Oh. Uh, his last name is Steele. He's a bit. He's a, he's a senior fellow at a, at a college, and he was one of, one of the people that actually marched with Martin Luther King 
Jr. And I can't think of his first name right now. I'll think of it in a minute. He was just on today and I was watching him. And these are his words. These are not mine. So don't think that I'm making this up as your as a, as a white elitist slave master, subconsciously racist. Okay, this comes from an African American man who uh, who lived slavery. Lived, you know, his grandfather. He's like 80 years old. His grandfather was a slave. Okay, and he marched in the civil rights movement in the 60s, before I was even born. Okay, and he said he said that the problem is that one that as long as you keep painting yourself as a victim, nothing will ever change because you don't allow it to, because it puts all white people in a position of having to admit that there was something that went wrong. Well, there's nothing wrong with that because I'm not denying that there was slavery and slavery is bad and it should have been stopped sooner, but it took a civil war to stop it. But it did. It happened. More people, Americans died at that time to stop slavery than all the wars since combined. That's how many people died. And half of them, yeah, were trying to keep slavery. But the other half were trying to stop it. That's what they were fighting for. They weren't just fighting for what? They were fighting because these people were trying to leave the Union and we got to keep them there? No. You find out those people in the military are mostly Irish people. Okay? So, so the only way that you can heal is you have to say that you are a survivor. And this is what this guy said. I didn't make this up myself, but I took psychology. And that's why I gave you those analogies of being raped or or somehow beaten or tortured. Or you see yourself as a as a survivor and you stand up with pride and you move yourself forward. That's the only way that this is going to change. So if you want change, then the truth is you have to admit that it happened. Right. And we've done that. We all know that it happened and we admit it. It was really horrifically bad. But when I say that, people go, you don't care. Society was set up for you. No, no, where's my silver spoon, man? I said that before. Where's my silver spoon? Well, no, I agree. Okay. Yes. uh, Ray said there, Ray Lynn said there's, there's actually more to the civil war than the books tell. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, but most people don't even want to have you believe that. They, they try to tell you, even when I was in college, my, my uh, professor in, in, uh, who probably stole my uh, thesis uh, in my government class and, and he ended up getting money for it from the History Channel for all I know, he, he was teaching that, that Abraham Lincoln didn't want to free the slaves and that he was forced to. And I actually had to disagree with him and stood up and said, that's not true. Abraham Lincoln was an abolitionist. He was hired. He, was, he ran for president to free the slaves. How can you deny that? How can you say that he didn't do that? He got mad at me. And I said, show me in history where where there's anything other than when he said, if I sign this proclamation to free the slaves, the Emancipation Proclamation, I'm going to tear the country asunder. Other than that one remark that he made, you tell me, because Abraham Lincoln, I believe, was part African-American. Have you seen a picture of that man? If you look at pictures of that man, he was not a white man. He was either half native or he was half black. That man was not a pure white person. So why would somebody who is blended be a racist then? You will have me believe that he came into office and he wasn't, and there was no talk at all of him uh, freeing the slaves. That's a crock of shit. Okay, the, the, the guy who was the president before him was threatened by the South because the whole thing hinged on when they were talking about. They were talking about all new uh, settlements and all new uh, states that entered the Union. Uh, the, the people that were in charge at the time, the white people that you're saying are racist systemically that set up the country to be systemically racist, they were enacting a law that said only the states who have slaves currently can have slaves. 
all other states, when they come into the Union, they cannot have slaves. That was the beginning of why they threatened to go to war. But it wasn't the only thing. It was because all of the people in the South who were basically the agricultural, uh, growing all the stuff that wasn't steel and everything for the whole machine were being looked at and looked down upon like as if they were slaves. And the rich and the elite were controlling everything. Okay, and the rich and the elite were ordering them around. So they were already getting kicked around by them and then saying, look, we're not your fucking slaves. You don't just tell us what to do. Right. And then on top of that, they were saying, oh, by the way, your lazy asses are going to have to go back to work because we're going to try and get rid of your slaves. So the president that was in charge at the time, he kowtowed to this because he was afraid of it. Okay, so they didn't get it passed. So then that was when Lincoln ran. He ran on an abolitionist ticket. At the time, they called themselves Republicans, but that party that was invented as a Republican was created by the abolitionist movement and party and, and the Democratic Republic, the Republican Democrats. Okay, they, that's when the Republican Democrats disappeared and there was just the Democrats and the Republicans. They called themselves Republicans and that was a, a blending of the abolitionists and the Democratic Republic uh, Party. I know this because I looked up history. I studied this. So those people got Lincoln to run to free the slaves. And now you have people saying that he was a bigot and a racist, and I think he was half black, but I can't prove that. And that he would only free the slaves because hinged on that one thing, hinged on him saying, I know this is going to cause a, uh, you know, tear the country apart. Call it in his words were tear the country asunder, which is what happened. So he was right about what he said, and it did. And we're still trying to heal from that now. But had he not done that, there would still be slaves in the South, unless things changed and people were voting them out state by state, county by county, which I would I would just hope that would have been the case. But we will never know the answer to that, because when the Civil War was over, the, the slaves were freed. OK. And but then, of course, was there, uh, you know, overt slavery still trying to go on yes come on you don't you don't change half of a nation or change a whole nation's attitude and at the time it wasn't the entire nation it was only half you don't change half of the people uh, of this country's minds overnight so you're still going to have those people somehow trying to to you know beat those people rape those people destroy those people uh and keep them down of course but those people are bred out now there's only 18 percent of them left that have been taught that shit from their grandpappy Everybody else either came here from another country that didn't have slaves or they were part of the country here at the time that didn't have slaves. So if, you, if I'm to believe that because of 18% of the DNA that is white on this, in this country, that that makes the, all the rest of the DNA systemically racist and subconsciously racist just because they're actually white too, even though no one in my DNA ever owned a slave, that's preposterous. That's not even anecdotal. But that's what you guys want to have me believe right now. If I bought if I bought that, then I would have to also believe that I'm addicted to 27 or 28 other things, one of which is oxygen. And that they're all diseases, and I'm just too stupid to know it. Well, I must be if I'm a subconsciously racist. I have no choice. That's racist. That's racist to say all those things. And the thing is, if anyone is, is subconsciously racist, it's the people that are telling everybody they're subconsciously racist. And I'm not afraid to say it. I'm tired of this cancel culture crap. Try to cancel me. Call my, call my bosses and try to get me fired. Oh, wait a minute. This is my show. I pay for it. 
Well, that's all right. We'll go to we'll we'll report you as hate speech to Facebook and get you taken off. I'm on 27 other channels. I don't need Facebook. I don't need YouTube. You can't get to me on everywhere I am. Because the people that I do post my shit on, they don't care about that crap. Not all of them. Okay, there's too many places to go now and other places that are popping up because of the rich and the elite. And oh, by the way, the people that are canceling all the people like me are the same people who are giving money to Antifa and to Black Lives Matter to destroy all your jobs and businesses. Think about that. Who do you think is telling them where to go and where to protest and what to burn down? I don't see them burning down a, a Walmart. I don't see them burning down a Facebook plant. I don't see them burning down an Apple plant. I don't see them burning down anything that is owned by George Soros or the DNC or Mike Bloomberg or, or Mark Zuckerberg. I don't see any of their stuff getting attacked in any way. No corporate America is getting attacked at all. It's only middle-class America that's being attacked. And some government buildings and police stations. Okay. So, yeah, Ray actually had, Ray Lynn, she's talking about it in the chat. She had, for those of you who are on the MP3 uh, podcast, you can't read the chat. She actually had somebody from Antifa try to say she was racist and tried to, to get her fired. Uh, and this and this is who we talked about who has uh, four different races blended into her children. <laughs> okay. And her, her three children. And and on top of that, uh, her boss, who I, I don't think is is actually a um, Caucasian either, and I hate that term, a white man, but I don't know for sure. For sure, her boss was like, <clears throat> these are her words, <clears throat> not the clearing of the throat. That was my words. And Ray said, my boss was like, um, no, <laughs> right? Because her boss knows her. Come on, but see, she's red haired. Right. She's red haired, green eyed. I think she has green eyes, green or blue. Depends on what she's wearing. She's like me, hazel eyes. Uh, so she looks white, Aryan, must be racist. <laughs> right? Yeah. See, so she says her bosses are three Hispanic men and one white woman. Right. So that's the the owner, the, the you know, the vice or the, the owner and the CEO and the, and the, and the, I think the, the, uh, whatever the, whatever the ranks are that are down, that are above her district manager or whatever. Uh, and one HR person. So it, come on. Right. So, so the, the, everybody can succeed here. The problem is, and let me get back to that. This came from um, Mr. Steele and he, and I didn't get to finish that because I went off on a tangent, but I didn't forget about it. I was circling back. So what he said was that because of uh, the, the African-Americans being the last race that was enslaved, the time that they were enslaved, they weren't being educated and they didn't have time nor did they have uh, uh, the, the, the ability to grow as a culture. So because of that happening to them for 250 years that they were enslaved, that their, 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 uh, their maturity level as a, as a group of people, as a race of people in, in this particular uh, hemisphere of the world, has been has been taken from them has been so it's not just that they were enslaved it was the 200 years of development as a race was also taken and stripped from you so because of that <clears throat> because of that a lot of what is the the african american culture is a lot of what the african culture was and it, and it is actually comparative Right. When you look at the Zulus over in Africa, when they would wage war against one another, it was not unlike the way that these guys compete now with a dance off. 
because that's the way it was until Shaka stormed over to the other side and started killing people. It was just for show. They danced around and they jumped up and down. They played music and they would throw spears. That's how they get that spear chucker thing from. And they would throw spears at each other, but no one ever hit anyone on the other side. It was always a matter of trying to get as close to the spear and getting out of the way. And uh, after a time, uh, it was it was you know just like when they have competitions now where your mama's so fat. Ooh, how fat was she? <clears throat> Rap contests. They're all the same. Uh, uh, concept of what they competed in battle over there. And it was always a mock battle, just like which they still do here. And they've integrated that into the culture still. And the reason that they do that is, is the competition is usually every race does that. If you look at the Irish people or the Celtic people, we have the Celtic Highland games and we're still doing the things that they did a thousand years ago with a stone put, throwing a stone as far as they can throw it, taking a big freaking telephone pole and flipping it over, running as fast as you can, playing soccer, hammer throw, uh, you know, stone put the whole nines. Uh, and then they have singing contests and dancing. So that is, is the culture of what we used to do then. And we're still doing it. So there is, and I'm showing you the example and other races do the same thing. They have their festivals. The Chinese have their festivals where they're lighting off the fireworks with the dragons and all of that, right? So um, they still do that, and they did that 5,000 years ago. So I'm not saying that it's wrong and that, that African Americans are doing something that is wrong, but their psyche and their development as a race was stifled, and then they were set free, but they were never really allowed, and they're, they're because of that, they're behind. Okay, so because of that, they're behind. Hold on, I have to answer this to my brother. Let me answer this real quick. I think it went to voicemail already. I'll call him back. So anyways, uh, he'll probably call back on a second thing and something's wrong. Because <clears throat> I'm not normally still on the air right now. I usually get off right about now. So because of that, the the culture has has been, oh, no, it must be my mother answered the phone. Um, hold on a second. Did you answer the phone? No, you didn't. Okay, don't, don't worry. I'll call him back. Go and watch TV. I saw that. So my mom came to find out why I didn't answer the phone. Um, <laughs> so I apologize. My mother is 76 uh, years old. And she has Alzheimer's. I'm her caregiver. So she's in there watching the news, and I didn't plan on being on the air as long as I'm on the air here. So <laughs> that's why I was trying to get in and early. Okay. So because of their development being stifled for the 200 or 250 years that they were enslaved, they're, they're behind where the cultures are that they, that were that, that broke the slave bonds and moved forward. My people were a little retarded as well. And I don't mean that in a bad way, like a mugwumpy or, you know, like something wrong with our brain, but because we were stifled in the same way. And then even when we came to America uh, to get away from that, we couldn't get jobs. We as a culture were a lot, we were behind the modern culture. And it took us a while to reintegrate, to get up to speed. Look at the native Americans. They did. They had a harder time. Uh, than the Irish did um, uh, doing that. And the Native Americans are still reeling from that now. There's uh, there's still a large population in the Native American on the reservations who are um, still kind of in that victim status. And because of that, they're, they're not able to, because they're behind, they were forced to not be able to be educated. And they were held on, on uh, as prisoners on uh uh on reservations. So they, they weren't able to have and reach and get the same, uh, uh, information and education. And that's what they're working on now where they talk about people even in the inner cities of America not have, having access to the same, like the internet and things. This doesn't mean that the system is biased towards them. The system is biased towards every single human being that is in the poverty up to elitist status. Right? 
So what you mean? My brother doesn't watch my show. No, he's he's at work, and so when he's when he's driving home, he calls me. So he doesn't watch my show live because he's working. So he calls me on the way home, and I talk to him while he's driving home. If that's what you're referring to, uh, that was Julie said that on the on the, in the chat. He's, he doesn't watch your show. No, uh, my family doesn't watch my show because I talk like this anyways. My sister, one of my sisters, comes on here every now and then and watches me, and she's like, "This is the same shit conversation we had yesterday." So, and my brother's the same way. A lot of what I talk about here, he and I talk about. So a lot of the conversation that I have here, and that's why you'll hear me say, I just talked to my brother about this yesterday. Uh, we'll have the same conversations that I'm having here with you guys. Uh, and so I have these conversations with my family. So they're like, I don't need to hear this. I heard this the other day when I was in his house. So I know what he's going to say. So they don't, they don't usually listen to my show because <laughs> they hear it from me when I'm off the air. Because guys, I talk like this all the time, uh, wherever I'm at <laughs> in public and don't even care. Uh, because I'm I'm fighting for the rights of the people. And I'm trying to get people to understand it's not their fault. So it's not your guys' fault as Native Americans. It's not your guys' fault as any race and as African Americans. It was done to you because evil people do evil shit because they can. So you need to acknowledge that, just like white people need to acknowledge that there was racism in this country and there still is racism, but it's not systemic. It's not 100% because only 18% of the human beings that live here Okay, only 18% of the human beings that live in this country ever, their, their DNA, owned slaves at some point three generations ago. That's it, only 18%. So everyone else that is living in this country never owned a slave. How could we be held responsible for an offense that we were not a part of, that no one in the history of our family was a part of? Why should we be in any way? Oh, because the society makes you racist because you were born here? That's a racist thing to say. You don't even realize how racist that is. For you to say that is racist. Well, you can't possibly, you have no idea. And people get angry. And the reason they get angry is because I don't have the same point of view that they do. Therefore, they say, you're just racist. You have to be racist because if you're not racist, I'm fucking wrong. And I'm not wrong. So you're racist. But you're wrong. I'm not racist. And most of the people in this country are not racist. And if you talk to anyone who was alive 50 fucking years ago, who lived through 60 years ago, that lived through racism in America in the 50s and 60s, they will tell you there is no racism in America compared to what there was then. And it's not systemic. And, the, and, if you, and, if you, and I'm not talking about white people. Because, yeah, here's something to think about. Those of you who are African-Americans, you're taking money from all of these people that are these rich elites. They're Democrats. And you can look this up. The KKK, the Ku Klux Klan, was 2 million people strong in 1950. And 100% of them were white Democrats. And they try to tell you that Republicans are racist. They're not racist, guys. See, the fact that you don't know that pisses me off. The fact that you guys only listen to, uh, to 1619 and all white people are racist and all cops want to kill people. Do you know who's, who's propagating that information to you? The same rich, elite white people who are telling you where to go and what to burn down. They are the Ku Klux Klan. They invented it. They all in the South were Democrats who owned slaves. The Republicans in the North freed the slaves. So when you want to look at somebody who is a, who is a, a, a systemic racist, 
It was invented by the Democrats. They enslaved you. They paid for you. They whipped you. They beat you. They didn't free you. In fact, they went to war and sacrificed half of their son's lives to stop you from becoming free. And then once you became free, they started telling you that it was the other guy who enslaved you. And because you don't, because you're not smart enough to go, and am I calling you stupid? I am if you don't know the history of all the other races in this. Because if you're going to call me racist, you better know my fucking history. And if you're going to say that all white people are racist, I'm going to ask you to prove it. I'm not, you, you can't just say, I'm black and I can't be racist and get mad. Because I'm not buying that bullshit. Not buying it. Not buying it. Show me. Tell me where it is. You won't. And you can't. Because once you start to look, then you realize that that's not true. That it's not true. And if you don't, it's because you don't want to. That's racist. If you get angry with what I'm saying and call me a racist, you are the racist. And I'm calling you all, all out around the world. Is there racism in this planet? Absolutely. Are there white people in America that are racist? Absolutely. Are there black people that are racist in America? Absolutely. Every race on this planet has racist people living within it. But it's not systemic in this society. The systemic problem that we have is narcissism. The systemic problem that we have is, is elitism. That classism is your slave master, not because of your color. They don't care what the color of your skin is. They care where you came from. And if you didn't come from their particular families, then you are a slave. The sooner you admit that to yourselves, look it up in history. Plugging your ears and pretending because you want to be a victim is going to keep you as a victim and nothing will ever change in your life. If you never acknowledge that I'm a survivor of rape, you're going to live in the moment of being the victim forever. Any woman knows that who has gone to counseling. Any man knows that who's gone to counseling. The first step in avoiding a trap is knowing it's of its existence. If you can't admit to yourself that the thing happened and it didn't happen to you, oh, but it's still happening because you're subconsciously racist. You just don't know it. Well, then that means you're gay because gay people say that about straight people. That subconsciously you're gay, you just don't know it. So guess what, African-Americans? You're all gay. Isn't that great to know? You're also all uh, gender neutral. You just don't know it. You like boys and girls. You're bi. You just don't know it. You know why? Because someone said that. Because that's what bi people say. That means you're also addicted to everything. Because you're not smart enough not to be. You're an, you're an addiction. Everything you do is an addiction. Because if it's not, then I'm not systemically, subconsciously racist, and neither are you. You choose it. You choose to be angry towards the white man and call them racist. That is racist. That is racist. Love me or hate me, I don't care. Okay? If you want, if you truly want to heal this supposed racism that is going on, get it out of your head and stop propagating it because you're the only people who are talking about it. We're not trying to hide it. We're, don't, we're done talking about it. We're tired of it. Because not any of us had any any slaves. You don't know that because you don't care. 
You're only worried about yourselves. Oh, I'm sorry. What is that? What did we call that earlier, guys? That's narcissistic. So if Black Lives Matter because it's Black Lives First, then that means that you're a narcissist. You only care about your own race. That's racist. That's racist. So if anyone is subconsciously racist, it's the person who's trying to tell everybody that they're subconsciously racist. Because that's a racist thing to do. I want my own channel. I want my own award show. I want my own radio show. We need to have our own places to eat. We need to have, you're segregating yourself. That's racist. You're going backwards. You're not moving forward. And this systemically white racist guy seems to know that. And so do other people who are actually educated and not racist. But the weird thing is you call me racist and I call you stuck. And I'm sorry for that. All right, guys, have a good night. I got to save my cat. He's over here wound up in something and I don't think he can get out. All right. Have a good night. Hold on, buddy. Hold on, buddy. Come here. You're okay. You're okay. Hold on. Come here. Come here. You're okay. You're okay. 